Welcome to the EchoCast, episode 197, COD, Lambs, and more. I am Bond, and I am here to chat with you about video games, gaming, news, speculation, and much more. This week, we'll be talking about the Call of Duty Showcase, a Cult of the Lamb impressions, Ark Raiders being delayed, and much, much more. A few things before we get into the show. A quick but sincere thank you to all of my Patreon supporters, and a special thanks to the producer-level patron, Hassan, for his support. If you are interested in supporting the show, my other content, and getting perks such as early access to content and much more, check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. Subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment down below, even if it's just to help the algorithm. And lastly, please join the show's Discord by clicking on the link down in the description of the podcast or the video. We chat about games. We talk about the podcast. We talk about sports. Sometimes we post weird pictures. Just come by. Say hello. Be a part of the fun. Okay, so let's get into the gaming news. So uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has a showcase on September 15th. I'm going to go on a little bit of a side thing here. It's so confusing for them to do that same game title again. <laughs> like, it's the same, right? I guess I haven't looked it up, but I'm pretty sure they've made this game before. <laughs> I know it's it's I actually need to look more into it. I, I don't really know. Um, I thought the last game in 2019 was like a prequel to Call of Duty 4 the original Modern Warfare. But I just, I don't know, I'm confused. And I also haven't tried to figure it out. So whatever, let's move on. Uh, they, at this showcase on the 15th of next month, September, they will be showing uh, single player stuff, multiplayer, and the new Warzone map, or it sounds like it's like Warzone 2, basically. It's going to be, I think, on a new engine and a bunch of other stuff. So, um, exciting should be a fairly big deal. Uh, they have announced already that there's going to be early access uh, for the multiplayer beta uh, in a very interesting situation where you have um, Xbox um, likely going to acquire Activision Blizzard. Um, there is an existing marketing deal with Activision and Sony. And that means that uh, there's a bunch of stuff that will be early or exclusive to Sony uh, with Call of Duty, including the beta for um, for Call of Duty, um, which uh, so if you're on PlayStation and you have a pre-order, um, you'll get access uh, to the beta on the 16th, the day after the showcase. Um, if you're on PC or Xbox, uh, you, you will get the access on the 22nd. Um, there also will be a uh, like an open beta um, for everyone uh, and that will be I believe starting the 23rd for PlayStation and then a week later for everyone else so again um, 
you know, I, I, I'm excited for this game. I understand that a lot of people are kind of sick of Call of Duty. They don't really care anymore. Um, it's not as exciting as it once was or whatever. But they just, they, they have a fairly narrow vision of what they're trying to do. And they do it pretty well. And they arguably do it better than anyone else. I think the only game that, especially like, like in the single player or even multiplayer, the only first person shooter that has like a realistic aesthetic, but a pretty arcadey vibe is like Titanfall. And that poor game can't, you know, win for losing to the point where now it's basically been thrown to the side and has become Apex Legends. So um, I'm excited for it. I, I, I enjoy the stories. Um, I enjoy uh, the, the multiplayer for like a couple weeks and then I do get tired of it. And I liked Warzone when it came out, but then they started introducing like Cold War guns and World War II stuff and I bounced. I, I'm not all about that. And for a while there, they had uh, some pretty significant uh, issues with cheating and so on and so forth. So, um, I'm excited for this. Uh, I I probably won't pre-order, but I said that in 2019 and I did it. It's probably going to happen again. To be fair, it, this will be two Call of Duty pre-orders. Man, I can't think of the last one I pre-ordered. It legit might have been Modern Warfare 2, like the original one, I guess. Um, it's been a while. I, I didn't get into like infinite warfare and stuff like that. Um, none of those, uh, like ghosts and things. I, I just never got into those. So, um, yeah, so call of duty's coming and, um, it's basically that and Ragnarok, man. And then a bunch of small games that may or probably will get delayed, which we'll, we'll talk about that situation. Uh, the second story here is Cult of the Lamb um, and, and its reception. So Cult of the Lamb is this little indie game. Uh, the best way I can describe it is a combination of like um, it's it's like it's like a roguelite thing where you, you go out into these arenas and you kill stuff. And if you die, you just respawn. And if you don't die, you get this loot. But it's like combined with like a village simulator or like a village builder it's just instead of like trying to make your people happy by having like good decorations you um, are initiating them into a cult and you can potentially sacrifice them and eat them including people that you marry or they just get so old that they can't help your village anymore and so you sacrifice them so, you know, it's like The Sims, but with death, um, uh, but it, it's really neat. It has a banging soundtrack. Um, I'm, I, I've played it for a few hours. I am probably going to finish it. I think it's um, it, it can be finished. I believe there is like a final boss, uh, but I'm sure the idea is to, to play it over and over. And I think they do have like long term plans to make it like a infinitely playable game. But. Um, Cult of the Lamb, the art style is great. The music is great. The combat is pretty good for the roguelite kind of thing. Um, the management, like it's very deep. And so, um, yeah, the Metacritic score was 82 and the Open Critic score right now is 85. Um, and I think it's very deserving of, of those numbers. I would, I, I think I would need to play it a little bit more. I think the 85 is is pretty right where I stand. 
I could see it go higher. I probably wouldn't see it go lower. It's a type of game that I can play it even just for a few hours and be like, oh, this is a very good game. And I may never play it again. But it's one of those things where like I respect it. Like I can acknowledge it's a good game and I don't need to pump 100 hours into it. But I could. We'll just have to see how things go. And we'll have to see if my uh, my Mass Effect addiction uh, relapses here soon. So, um, but yeah, I, I want to keep playing it. It's a great game. Um, it's not on Game Pass. I'm willing to bet it will be one day. Um, but it's only 25 bucks and it's 30 bucks for like a special edition. This is one of those games that I don't feel bad at all throwing some money at it. Um, and if I can get 10 or 15 hours out of it, I'm probably going to be happy. And I think that um, it's worth it. And it's worth supporting devs who make games like this with such care and uh, attention and stuff and, and, and creativity, right? So uh, I think it's worth checking out Cult of the Lamb. That's up to you. It's pretty morbid, though. It's, it's gritty. <laughs> it's pretty gross. But uh, I, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, next story here is Gamescom. Um, so opening night live has gotten some more details. This is the Jeff Keighley uh, Summer Game Fest uh, Game Awards uh, kind of show for the for late summer rather than like the E3 time. Um, and uh, we have some details now. So the opening night live will be on August 23rd at 2 p.m. That's Eastern time here in the States. Uh, it's going to be a two hour show. And he's saying there's going to be 30 plus games shown. Um, last year didn't have much. It was more, I believe, if I remember correctly, last year's Gamescom opening night live was kind of like a uh, stuff that we had seen during the E3 time. Um, just more of it. So I think that it wouldn't surprise me if we get some fairly big surprises here. Um, I think with all the delays and things like that, there's a really good chance that like the, uh, there may have been stuff that wasn't ready, you know, two months ago for E3 and that may be ready to show now. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm excited for it. I, I do plan on co-streaming this. So if you want to check out my Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash bond diesel. Um, I should be on there, uh, at this day and time. Uh, and we can kind of watch it together, uh, and, and react and, and, uh, maybe make fun of some stuff in chat. So, uh, you know, make sure to go over there, uh, drop a follow, uh, maybe hit that reminder. And, uh, when I go live for this show, you can come hang out and we can, uh, we can enjoy it together. Uh, the next story is kind of a bunch of stories in one, but um, Ark Raiders, uh, a really interesting looking game coming from uh, what the, the Soderbergh guy um, uh, from his new studio is being delayed to 2023. It was originally intended to come out in 2022. Uh, this is one of those weird ones where it's like we actually haven't really seen that much gameplay about this game. Like we only really know so much about it. Um, but I, what we've seen looks really cool. And so, you know, I am bummed that it's, uh, you know, being delayed, but um, I, I think it'll be okay. Um, interestingly enough, they kind of threw out there like, oh, but we do have this first person team shooter game that we're also working on that we think will come out this year still. So we've literally just seen like one really cool trailer 
for our graders. Um, and as far as I know, we hadn't seen uh, anything about this other game, but we did see some uh, like screenshots and I think maybe some footage of it. Um, the, this, the studio who's making this has a ton of EA um, and, and DICE uh, DNA. There's a lot of people from there. Um, it, there's some hesitancy because of that, especially at the leadership level um that there is like some concerns that uh you know the 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 person who runs the studio may have been like kind of responsible for a bunch of the crap at ea during some of ea's like worst times like in the mid 20 teens um but you know we'll we'll just have to see uh i'm curious like i said like i'm so it's so it was so interesting to me to see people being like really upset about arc raiders getting delayed because like legit we've just seen one like very cool trailer but it's just a trailer right like i'm sure it looks cool and the soundtrack was dope and uh you know it's okay to get hyped about a trailer but like well yeah it's getting delayed because we they haven't shown us anything it's probably not close to being done and so uh, we'll have to wait for that. And a related addition to this story, uh, we have uh, more delays, a lot of delays. Uh, the Hogwarts game uh, has been delayed. I, I believe all of these are to 2023. Hogwarts, Metal Slug Tactics, uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns has been delayed again. And uh, the Nightingale game, um, has the early access is being delayed. Um, the Hogwarts game is that Harry Potter game that everyone's like kind of weird about because like it actually looks really cool, but you know at the end of the day, money is going to what's her face's uh, pocket and she's kind of gross, and so that feels weird. Um, I think you should support game devs. So if it looks like the game is good, you may just have to grit your teeth and go for it. Metal Slug Tactics is was a really interesting project, or I guess still is. Is it a like Advance Wars take of Metal Slug? I don't know who's asking for this, but I'm curious. Uh, the Marvel's Midnight Suns is this weird, like uh, it's the developers of XCOM, I believe, which is like the turn based cover based like strategy game uh, that's like based on like aliens and humans fighting and stuff. Uh, personally if you're a division fan who's listening to this this is where terry spear left for like back in last december um very quietly he kind of snuck out the back door and uh and, and went and left uh uh red storm um so probably not my jam but i'm curious i guess especially because terry's involved i, I want to support good people uh, and then this Nightingale um, is, uh, I forget if it is, I want to say it's Mike Laidlaw's studio. Um, and it's like a bunch of, who was a former Bioware dev, um, I believe he was specifically on Mass Effect. And I think a bunch of the people at his studio are like former Bioware devs. And it was really interesting because I think it was either... I was, I don't, I think it was 2021's E3. There was a lot of talk about that studio finally showing the game they were working on. And I was very excited, kind of like with Casey Hudson um, working on uh, Humanoid, his new studio, that they're making a very Mass Effect-y looking game, uh, at least from the concept art. Well, with this Mike Laidlaw studio, I believe, who's making this Night Nightingale, I think people were sort of expecting like, oh, okay, he's going to make something kind of like that. And then it ended up being this thing where it's like, it, it just looks like another survival game. You know, 
just one of these like gather resources and build things, build a house and build your stuff that you need to craft things and go out into the scary world and come back. Now it does look like it has a, a much more, you know, you can find these type of games a dollar a dozen on steam. And most of them are being made by people who don't know how to make video games. And, and they look like it. Now this one does have that, like, that triple a polish on it like like you can tell that you know and it has a higher concept than just the general survival gameplay but it's definitely in that vein and i think you know those games tend to basically not have a story and things like that and when you see former bioware devs you're hoping story right at least i am so um it, it, the the reaction to that game was interesting and you know obviously it's a bummer uh that that's now been delayed or at least the early access has been so uh here in the middle here, I'm going to throw out a quick, um, if you're enjoying this show, uh, if you enjoy any of my other content, um, you can support uh, by, you know, and you can get early access to podcasts, uh, interviews I do, like I just did one with Mark Dara, uh, YouTube videos, early access. Uh, you can get other perks like me shouting you out uh, during my content or at the end of the content, depending on what it is, as well as like free merch and things like that. You can get all of that by joining the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash bondiesel. Okay, so let's move on to The Division. Um, there's a couple things to talk about with The Division this week. Uh, we had uh, today, earlier today, an agent briefing. Um, so what this appears to be is, it's, I, I bet, it's going to be like a monthly-ish, um, essentially like a replacement for the old stay of the game. Um, I don't think we're going to get state of the game back as we knew it. If you're a division fan, um, state of the game, I don't think people realized how insane of a production that was for what the division became. I, I, like you need to realize that like, like destiny has this week at Bungie, uh, and it's highly anticipated. It's highly looked forward to. It's highly respected. People like get so hyped for that. And it's like a blog, right? For, for a large chunk of the division's life, one and two, they did these weekly, like fully produced live shows, um, often like 85% of the time without anything big to announce or talk about. Um, and they did it for a long time and they did it pretty consistently. And um, I know people want that back. My my guess is that in all areas, but especially the uh, the the kind of community dev uh, part of of their of their uh, studio now or the division team is just not big enough to do that, because you have to remember there would be two to three people on screen. And then at least two or three people behind the cameras producing, doing the cameras, doing all the transitions and sound and all that. So, like, I just don't think they have those resources anymore, uh, or at least not now. If there's ever a Division 3, I'd be surprised if that didn't come back. But, well, that's not worth talking about right now. So, this agent briefing appears to be the new version of State of the Game. Um, it's a pre-recorded thing, which I think is fine. Um, people were upset about it, uh, but the reason they were upset was because they felt like that would mean that the host couldn't look at Twitch chat and respond to questions. 
they can't do that anyways for two reasons. One, it moves way too fast that they are lucky to barely pick something out. And two, it's like 98% hyper toxic idiots in that chat. Um, my confession, I haven't watched Twitch chat in like four years <laughs> for the division, uh, for state of the game and their other, uh, things. And, and what's funny, what ended up happening during the show was that multiple people, like I think Yannick and other people were in chat answering questions directly. So them pre-recording actually meant that they were in the chat actively actually answering questions. I bet they addressed 20 times more questions in that chat than they would have in a live show. So, and they probably banned a bunch of people who wouldn't have gotten the band hammer otherwise. So, um, as for the actual agent briefing, it was pretty sparse. Um, I don't know. I, I think if it, if, if it's going to be a thing where they're just giving us like, Hey, here's what's going on right now. It's not necessarily going to be big news in the future, things like that. It's just, Hey, here's where we're at. Here's some things we're working on. Here's some things, blah, blah, blah. That's fine with me. This was cool. It, they showed off a new roadmap um, that tells us that we're getting season 10 next month, early September, I believe. And then season 11 um, at, at the end of the year in December. Now, I would be I'm willing to bet that season 10 is probably set for early September. Just don't be surprised if season 11 ends up in like January. It's just the way things are right now. It is what it is. Um, as for like the individual things that they, they were talking about, they, they pointed out that they're adding like uh, difficulty levels to countdown. This was kind of weird to me because they're adding like a solo difficulty, a normal difficulty, a challenging difficulty, and then heroic. But they're saying that the current difficulty is going to be equivalent to the challenging difficulty. And... <sighs> I think the solo kind of makes sense for people who want to do that. It'll probably be died, you know, dialed down quite a bit, but I think with, if it's eight people who know how countdown works, it's already like pretty easy. So I don't know how much use that like normal level will be, but maybe there's people who that's what they want and that's fine. No, no harm, no foul. So, um, they talked about that. They also talked about the delay of the specialization rework. It sounds like indefinitely, um, that must be a much bigger thing than people expected. I'm kind of curious. Um, Trick Dempsey uh, was working on that, I believe, and I know she's no longer in that position. Uh, I don't believe she's working on the division anymore and hasn't been for a while. Um, so I wonder if that caused some issues with that because uh, I, she was kind of a big idea person. And um, I suspect that maybe, maybe that's why we're not going to see that for a while, but who knows? Um, they also talked about that season 11 is going to have a new mode. Um, I'm really curious about that because I think countdown is fine. Um, we now know, and from my conversation with Yannick, um, that countdown was done by Ubisoft Bucharest and that that's kind of the, that's how they contributed to this new patch that we got, uh, to season nine. Um, Ubisoft Bucharest was working on Ghost Recon Frontline, a big, like, massive, uh, like, BR in the Ghost Recon uh, world, which has been shut down. So I'm wondering if maybe Bucharest has more resources available to help with 
the division two or you know they, they are working on a lot of other games too they're working on like the star wars uh, and avatar games at massive there's other studios working on like a new splinter cell and things like that um i i don't i don't know uh i i i'm curious to what this new mode could be because i think at the end of the day countdown was a hair underwhelming right i don't think it was what people were hoping for but i know that there's some people who are still grinding it so uh, you know, the new difficulty levels, maybe that's gonna be good for them. Um, we do know that we can expect some probably pretty substantial story beats uh, in these next two seasons. Uh, honestly, that's what I'm the most excited about. Um, I haven't found this, the, the, the actual manhunts are pretty good. I, I like them, they are, they're nice and quick. So if you're looking for a bunch of content to dig into, they aren't really doing that. But for someone like me who just kind of wants to get in and play some more division um it's been perfect uh so you know that that kind of comes down to preference a bit um but yeah i'm definitely the most excited about story that's coming and um you know you know we'll just kind of see what comes hopefully this new mode is something really interesting i've seen people um speculate it's going to be like survival 2.0 i think people need to let that concept go that's probably not happening especially if heartland happens which i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's going on with heartland um, i'm kind of curious no uh, what we'll hear about that when uh, maybe at the ubisoft forward next month uh, and then the last big thing i'll say that they announced during the agent briefing was that they are bringing back the elite task force uh, this one will be foxtrot um uh, they have a sign up if you want to sign up it's going to be done remotely so um if you uh want to go and i, I believe yannick's um uh i want to say his twitter is like at yannick bch or something like that um you can find it if you're interested uh, if you're interested you probably know his twitter um and, and you can sign up to try to be a part of that it sounds like they're going to do a pve and a pvp like two separate groups which is probably smart um that's probably a good idea uh, so I'm kind of curious how that's going to work out. My issue is that there are a few examples of people who have done the ETFs who have been like really, really good for the community and who seem like they were really interested in, in trying to help make the game better for like the majority of players. Um, my main issue with the elite task forces has been that like, especially early, like the first and second one, alpha and Bravo had a lot of like creators in it, like streamers and content creators, um, especially the first one. And I mean, like most of them ended up being like hyper toxic, like really bad for the community. And to the point where like, I would argue that the elite task force alpha, those people being given a position of prominence probably started the divisions community off on the worst foot possible because it gave some people a notoriety in the community of this big new IP that performed extremely well, despite a lot of issues. Um, and it turned into this thing where you, know, you have this big new IP and so you've got people coming to it. And what a lot of people are going to do is try to find creators to help them with guides and how to learn what the game is and stuff. And if the first three or four people they find who are the most popular are like kind of awful people, it's, you know, 
the good people will be turned off by that. And then the people like them will stick around. And I think that at, at least in part explains kind of where the division community is at, or at least a part of it. Right. So the, the ETFs have been interesting. I, I think um, Charlie and um, Echo uh, were a lot better where they had a lot more people who were just players who played the game a lot and cared a lot about the game. My main issue with having content creators on these like these type of things is one content creators, especially notable ones, already have a platform to express their opinions about stuff. And so you don't really have to go far to find out what they want different in the game. Um, two, they um, inherently maybe don't care that much about the health of the game as much as they do the game being a thing that they can make a lot of content for. So you may see a content creator want stuff in the game or the game to focus on stuff that will be good for them and their views. And it may not be good for the other 99% of the community. And so that's a, that's a main issue. That's a big issue I have with it. And I just, the third issue I have is a lot of content creators um, in general, but especially in the division have this weird complex of like, even for some people, even a fairly small following that they have makes them think that they like represent the whole player base that if they say things and these handful of people who watch their videos or their streams agree with them, then now all of the sudden they speak for the entirety of the ma of, of the division uh, community. And instead of like, you know, a big thing I've always tried to do is make it very clear that I'm only representing myself and my own ideas and what I want. Uh, however, you know, the, the, the three or five people who care about the things I say, I don't represent them at all. In fact, I assume most of them disagree with a lot of things I say, and that's fine. Um, but I don't think all of the creators always uh, are created equally in that way. So I really hope this Foxtrot thing, um, I would love if every single person who's a part of it, I've never heard of them and they, and you can't find them on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, and they have like a thousand hours at least. And so you'll have a bunch of people who love the game, who have played the game a lot, um, who want the game to be fun to play as a player and maybe not with ulterior motives. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure there's going to be a mix and that's maybe the best case scenario. Um, at the end of the day, we have to remember that these types of things are at least a little bit of PR and, and that's fine. I've applied for this. I don't think I should get it. Um, you know, I don't. I think I'm a little burned out. I think I'm extremely opinionated. That's been reinforced by people being nasty to me about my opinions. And I'm mostly a PVE player. Um, and I have what's probably a pretty clear bias against the PVP one for objective reasons. Uh, and two, almost as kind of a middle finger to a segment of the community. So there's my, there's my, there's my realness. So we'll have to see how this goes. I think at the end of the day, it's at least it's cool for them to be getting this program going again, which a lot of people think is good. I'm more mixed on it. We'll have to see how it goes. The last bit about the division is we do have a new apparel event happening right now. Um, it's the street style or streetwear, uh, something that's got graffiti and kind of crazy outfits and LED lights and there's a jacket that doesn't actually work yet and they're going to have to put it in on Tuesday, but, uh, we'll just ignore that, I guess. Um, 
This one's interesting because like I appreciate the creativity of it. Um, there's a it's like very like watchdogs to be is what it really looks like. Um, I just it's really interesting because you can tell that even the people working on the game had like kind of acknowledged that like the division one apparel just like looked cooler because this apparel event, which is for characters who are playing in New York City and Washington DC in the middle of the East Coast summer are wearing like heavy winter jackets and long pants. Um, just so you know, so I only know Fahrenheit, so I'm sorry. Um, it like averages like 85 to 100 degrees uh, Fahrenheit in these two cities during the summer. And um, on top of that is the humidity, which <laughs> is best measured by dew point. Uh, so <coughs> Uh, dew point from like 50 to 60 it feels like dry and it feels really nice outside no matter how warm it is uh, dew point from 60 to 70 feels pretty sticky the air feels pretty heavy it's kind of gross and then 70 and up feels like you walk outside and you feel like a wall of moisture hits your face even if it's not raining um these areas have a dew point in like the mid 60s pretty much all summer and then it goes up quite a bit um, the, the, this apparel makes no sense. The things that they're wearing, these would have fit perfectly in like the division one in the winter, they would look perfect. They would make complete sense, but you've got people wearing like winter jackets and hoods and stuff. And I'm just like, I understand we're just, we're, we're just putting out cool stuff. Even if it makes zero sense, um, there is technically some lore behind this that underneath all of you know the agents are all wearing this like isaac controlled like bodysuit underneath their clothes that can like keep them cool or warm there is i forget where it's at but there is lore about that um i think the only time you can see it is when the division two came out they did a like warm weather version of the classic division one outfit with the leather jacket and the jeans and stuff but the leather jacket, the sleeves are like pulled up and you see this black under layer. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's like the only representation we've ever seen of this like under layer that the agents wear. But regardless, if you're into this apparel, dope. I hope you're happy. Um, I just don't. It looks fine. And I and it looks like it's like well made. Like I like the way um, the effort that was put into it. Supposedly, the next couple events are going to be more like tactical. Um, the last one they did was like the out something, um, the outlander or something uh, event a few events ago. And it, it's just awful. It's just like desert military gear and it looks so bad. And it's like low quality textures and it clips really bad on all the gear and the character. And so this is one of those things where it's like, okay, you guys might be making something I'm interested in, but I won't believe it until I see it. So there you go. There's your, there's your division briefing for, uh, for this week, uh, jumping over the mass effect. Uh, there were a few kind of small updates. The biggest one being that the voice actress, um, that plays Admiral Ron, one of the Corians, uh, in mass effect two and three, um, posted on, well, most, I think like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all over the place, uh, and making it very clear. She's working on a new game and that it's like a big deal. So, uh, 
being that there is a Mass Effect game in development, she is a pretty prominent character in those games. People instantly were like, <gasps> Mass Effect, Mass Effect, Mass Effect. Um, uh, Mr. Holthen, who's a YouTuber who uh, does a lot of kind of quick, uh, you know, videos about anything that pops up with Mass Effect, um, did a video on it. If you watch it, you'll see that she even um, on, on Facebook, a few people who said like, oh, cool, Mass Effect. She like liked their posts. So a lot of people were like, oh my gosh. Uh, but then one person, she did respond to them when they said something about Mass Effect. And she's like, guess again, uh, it's, it's something else or something to that effect. So she's probably not voice. She's probably not recording voice for Mass Effect. Um, I don't. So I was trying to do some research and figure out like at what point voice acting starts um, with these games. Supposedly, it's basically as soon as the writing begins, which knowing that Mary DeMarley has been there for you know a few weeks, a month or more, um, you would think that that process is happening. So it, it may make sense that there may be voice actors beginning to do their thing, um, at least in like the early stages. Um, and they may be doing some of that, um, but we don't know. And she seems to kind of deny that this is what uh, that is for, um, especially uh, I, I am calling her Admiral Ron's voice actress because I even watch videos about and how to say her name. I don't want to ruin her name. She's like a legendary actress. Um, but she is prolific so that uh, there's a really good chance that she's just on maybe like, you know, Casey Hudson's new game or, or literally anything. She could be in any game. As far as we know, she's done a ton of games. She's done a ton of like uh, sitcom, like, like uh, TV shows and movies and stuff. She has a very, very unique look. Um, and she has a very unique voice, like a, a very unique voice, if you remember Admiral Ron. So while I wish this was some big update and that, you know, if Admiral Ron is back, that means that it has to take place shortly after Mass Effect 3, which is what I want. Uh, I don't think that's been confirmed by this, unfortunately. Uh, they have some new merch on the Ubisoft merch store. Um, it's a, a baby onesie that has N7 on it and a silver Liara figure. Um, I do. I am a Bioware gear shop um, uh, ambassador. So if you look down in the description below, I do have a code that you can use to get 20% off anything on their website. If you try to use that code and it's expired or it's been used uh, too many times, send me a message, an email, whatever, uh, and I can get you a new code instantly. I can make I can make them whenever I want. So just let me know. Um, they, they've been po they posted more about their job openings this week. I took a peek at them. I didn't see any changes just as a quick update. Um, they in the last year, essentially, they've posted seven director positions for the next Mass Effect game. There's only two currently available and the environmental director is the big one. One of the ones that we know was filled, like I mentioned before, uh, it was Mary DeMarley becoming the narrative director. Um, but other than that, we don't know who filled these positions necessarily. Um, but we know that they're off the website and they are assumed uh, filled. Um, and that's a big deal. That means things are moving forward because a year ago they didn't have those positions filled and now they do. So um, 
it you know they they're laying the groundwork right now you know they're they're figuring out the narrative they're pro probably prototyping uh the you know game systems and stuff like that especially since they're probably moving to unreal 5 they're probably doing a lot of work with tools getting the tools ready to handle all the rpg mechanics and stuff so you know there's stuff happening but i still think that the speculation that full development won't really begin until dreadwolf comes out is probably true and i think that dreadwolf comes out maybe this time next year at the earliest so we'll have to wait and see uh, and then the last thing was kind of a funny thing uh the gear store again had a dragon age alistar uh, or alistair a romance bundle and um, basically Bioware fans are like super horny and uh, people got real hot and bothered about this bundle It sold out like instantly and there are a bunch of memes about it and a bunch of jokes and even articles written about it um, this is me saying hey maybe do this for some of the Mass Effect romances uh, you know if you do a Garrus one, it's going to get real weird and sell out instantly. If you do, uh, you know, maybe I'm not biased, but maybe one for Tally. I don't know. It's just crazy. Just throwing it out there. Uh, or, or Miranda, you know. Please. Um, or Liara. You can do her too, I guess. Or Jack. Or, you know, all the, the, the fish guy. Or whoever. Caden. <laughs> do one for Ashley. It'd be like a, uh, never mind. I won't make that joke. Uh, but yeah, so that was just kind of a fun thing. So there's the stories. Uh, we do have a couple of listener questions this week. If you have any gaming news stories, specific topics or questions that you would like me to talk about during next week's episode, please join the discord and ask any questions or topics room. Uh, this week we have uh, kind of a question, kind of just a statement from Anna. Um, did you see Cult of the Lamb that launched yesterday? 88,000 viewers on Twitch for a small indie game. The Twitch extension was buggy because too many people were using it. I smell another Hades. Also, a lovely game and chat uh, can help the streamer with channel points and or becoming cult followers. Yeah, so I talked about that before. Um, it's scoring very well on the Metacritic and OpenCritic. I absolutely adore the game. It looks great. It's fun to play. The, the soundtrack is amazing. Those Twitch integrations are crazy. Um, I was watching some streams doing that when it was working, uh, you know, yesterday or when it came out. Um, so yeah, a game I definitely feel like playing. I think your comparison to something like a Hades um, is probably pretty apt. I think that's probably a pretty good one. Um, yeah, now realistically in a couple, in a week, it's gonna drop off the headlines, but I really think people are gonna play that game a lot. And, and again, I'm willing to bet that here in a few months, we'll, uh, once the hype has completely died, I think we'll see it on Game Pass and that'll be a way for them to boost that back up. So we'll see, I could be wrong, but th this game is just so perfect for Game Pass. It could be a target though, for PlayStation's new service that they're like half acidly trying to compete with Game Pass. Um, I could see them try to pull this one. Um, which at the end of the day for that developer, if it turns into a bidding war between Sony and Microsoft, only they always win. Like they win that either way because they will have sold probably a pretty good number of copies because of all the hype. And then they get another hunk of money from whoever buys the rights for their streaming or their subscription subscription platform. Hey, good for them. I hope they um I hope they get the bag. 
Uh, then Master Prime had a couple questions um, for games that have established game characters. Should they still give the option to create a character, um, whether it was on purpose or not? This is a pretty much really um, like perfect example to talk about with like Mass Effect, right? And so there is, um, you know, like with Mass Effect, I've played as M Shep for all like I'm on my ninth playthrough now and I've played as the, the standard one because that's Shep to me. That's who's on the cover. That's who is default. And that's in my head. When I hear Mark Mears voice, I see Shepard's face, even though the Vanderloo guy who they modeled it after doesn't want to be associated with the game at all and doesn't look anything like Mark Mears. Um, it's, it's that so but that doesn't necessarily mean to me that i don't think other people if they want to design their own ship shouldn't be able to do it but i hate seeing custom ships one they almost always look terrible and even the ones who look good it's just i've associated that voice with that face so deeply in my brain even before i played mass effect like in the off handed things i've heard or seen about mass effect in the past I see Shepard's face and that voice, and that's what I think of. So, like, so yes, sure. Um, it's just, you know, I, I've made the argument before, like with a game like Mass Effect, you can make those custom Sheps, you can make your own backstory in your head or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, I really think these like voiced protagonists in these type of games, especially one that like takes you down a relatively narrow path like Shepard, that's not your character. It's not your story. That is like, like, like Shepard is Bioware's character. And so they, they will let you kind of do your own thing. They'll let you make your own design. But at the end of the day, I think that there will be canon choices for Shepard. And I think that that Shepard's look is the canon look, whether for M Shep or F Shep. So yes, I think you should absolutely have the ability to customize. I also think it's okay for the developer to say, you can do whatever you want. But here's our canon. Here's what you know, our canon look, our canon decisions, our canon. You know, so all of these things, we're glad that you can explore them. But here's our vision. So, and then second question from Master Prime: um, Could the Elite Task Force for the Division Two compromise the experience for casual players? That's kind of what I was saying before. Like, like probably not, right? Like, you say they uh, select only. Uh, the division uh, PVP 24 seven streamers. And that's every single person that's on the, on the ETF, even though their feedback is going to be very biased towards that. You also have to keep in mind that like Yannick and their whole team, they already have a vision for what they're doing. These ETFs are more to like bounce that vision off of people and see how they take it. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to cut everything they were thinking about doing it just may mean they say oh okay well maybe we should approach this that way or this way um it, it's more to like preview to them what they're thinking and you know and, and it's not they're not necessarily like going in there and be like give us ideas we don't have any ideas they're going in there and being like here's what we want to do what do you think about that and so I don't think it compromises the experience of casual players. Um, I, I think that 
they know what part of the audience is that they have to really reach towards. And it's not the one that you probably think. I do think it's more the average player who's coming back and playing for a few hours a week because that's where they're going to get the majority of their interaction, um, you know, dealing with that 0.2% of players who stream and do all that stuff. You know, you try to make them happy for good PR, but at the end of the day, you know, there's this other huge chunk of the player base that you never hear from, but you get their stats, you see their numbers, you see what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy. And that's who you focus on. So I, I don't think that the ETF can make things like way worse. I just think that who they pick will really determine how helpful it is or not. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think it will make a huge difference. Uh, so thanks for the questions. Again, jump into the Discord and ask them for next week or if you have your own stories that you found or if you have topics in general that you want to ask me about or get my take on, get in there and ask me in the Discord. Uh, as for content updates, like I mentioned before, uh, my interview with Mark Dara is on Patreon right now um, and will be posted uh, on all other platforms uh, on this coming Monday. Uh, I believe that is the 15th it will be posted oh no 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 the 16th the morning of the 16th it'll be posted on all of the typical places it was a really fun chat um i really wish we had like two hours uh the, the hour i had with them went pretty quickly i asked like one fourth of the questions i had written down um but i at least i had like four categories of questions and i at least got a couple from each so i got like you know his career uh you know his time at um or, or no, his content creation, kind of asking him about that because he switched from being a dev to a YouTuber. Um, and then I asked him about, you know, Dragon Age, you know, Mass Effect, Anthem, you know, Andromeda, things like that. Um, and so we had a very broad conversation and um, yeah, it was really fun. It was it was fun to get to chat with him. And uh, I, I think that if you're not willing to support on the Patreon and get the, that stuff early, then I think you should at least check it out when it hits my YouTube or all of the other podcast platforms as a special edition. So either way, please check it out. I would very much appreciate it. Um, and right now I'm trying to set up other interviews. Um, uh, the next one I'm, uh, I think will happen in the next couple of weeks, um, will be a Shinobi 602, who is a extremely, extremely notable, um, person in games, mostly breaking news and things like that, but is also a noted, uh, gigantic mass effect fan. Um, and so that may be a very much, uh, fanboys, uh, being fanboys, uh, podcast. Um, but I, I, I can appreciate those. Um, what, what I want from this is to like interview devs and have like fairly serious conversations and then interview like other fans and have like somewhat serious, but like fun conversations. I, you know, I, I'm not only looking for like hypercritical, like, you know, think conversations I'm, I'm looking for a mix and that's what we're going to get. Um, other than that, um, I have decided to kind of move towards accepting this being like a mass effect in the division podcast. Um, a big issue I'm having is that, uh, trying to be a, a, like a completely generic video game podcast is hard because that's what, that's what like most people are doing in the video game space. And the issue is solo podcasts aren't super popular because who wants to listen to one guy talk other than you lovely people who are listening to me now. Um, 
it, it just seems like, like I'm competing with like kind of funny and like giant bomb and min max and all these like people who do this way better and they do way more stuff. Right. So I think the best way for me to kind of handle it is like to do basically what I've done this episode, always talk about mass effect and the division. Those are the two things I'm the most interested in for the most part. And, um, but then also speak about just general gaming stuff. Cause I do care about that too. So like today, what you probably noticed is I did the intro. I talked about some just kind of general news stories and video games. I did a little ad for the Patreon and then I will hit division and mass effect. And that's probably going to be the layout of the stream or of the podcast from here on out. Uh, and then we hit listener questions and content updates. And then we wrap the thing up that feels like I can kind of lean into, you know, trying to more reestablish myself, like back into the division community a little bit, which I know I've kind of estranged myself from and to try to introduce myself to the Bioware mass effect dragon age community more seriously, because it's hard. That's hard, man. Uh, Cause there's not a lot of people making content in the, in the Bioware but most of them have been doing it for a long time or were established in some capacity earlier. Um, you know, like I'm dying to try to get any contact or interaction with Bioware devs. And it makes sense because with Mass Effect 3 and with Anthem and with Andromeda uh, and even with Dragon Age, you know, to a point, they have just been beaten down by you know, Twitter people and YouTube comments and YouTube videos about them. And so I understand why they're very standoffish to interacting with anyone, especially some random dude like myself. But like, I, I think that continuing to try to be like, no, I don't have any focus. I just kind of talk about games isn't getting me anywhere. And I think kind of looking at it or, or changing my outlook as I talk about Mass Effect, I talk about The Division, and then I'll talk about other stuff too. Um, I think it's probably a better way to um, get a little more growth where I feel like it's kind of stagnated. So um, if you see a little bit of changes and, and stuff, that, that's why. But the, 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 the way the show happened today is probably how it's going to happen from now on until I decide to try something else. So there's that. Um, if you have thoughts on that, please let me know either in the YouTube comments, you can jump into the discord and tell me you can hit me up on Twitter. Um, I have an email address that you can find as well. Um, if you want to email me, I guess, um, I'm open to suggestions and ideas. Uh, it's just over the last couple of years, every time I ask like, Hey, what would you all like me to do to improve my content or, uh, to, that would make you want to listen. And the answer was always guess, 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 have a co-host do that. I can't have a co-host for the show. I, at least not right now. I, I I'm too busy. The way I record this is so spastic. I just do it when I can. Um, but doing these interviews, I hope will start to kind of satisfy that desire from people. Um, especially as I do really cool ones, like with Mark Dara and Yannick, um, and, and, and fellow fans of these games and stuff like that. So, so there I am. That that's where we're at. 
uh, to wrap this baby up, uh, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to rate if you're on Spotify or iTunes. If you're on YouTube, please thumbs up this video, subscribe to the channel and leave a comment down below. Even if it's just for the algorithm, just say hello. Uh, please, if you want to support on Patreon, hit patreon.com slash bondiesel. It's for the echo cast and my own content. I have a bunch of perks. Um, suggest more suggest other payment tiers suggest anything i'm willing to be adjustable uh, but if you want to support that's a really good way to do it where i can try to give back to you uh, in significant ways uh, you can find me all over the internet as bond diesel including on twitter twitch youtube instagram and um you know basically anywhere else that i can be uh, you can check out my echo cast and bond diesel merch at the Streamlabs link down below in the description and that is all i have so until next time I'm going to go to the hospital.